Good morning, everyone. My name is Ricky, for those of you who don't know me, and I have the incredible privilege of sharing the word with you this morning. I am um, very expectant for us. I really believe that God wants to speak to us today, and um, I think he's already started to chat to us through our worship time with the music team, and I would like to encourage you to please open your hearts and allow Father God to, to minister to you. Pierre started with uh, our new series last week called Fortress. How many of you were here last week? If not, please go and get the, the sermon online. Um, it would be great for you to try and uh, keep up to speed with, with all the, the preachers that we do. We don't know how long it's going to take us. We really feel like God has spoken to us about preaching this. In our week of prayer and fasting at the beginning of this year, we felt the Lord speak to us about uh, trusting him for breakthrough in areas of our lives. But we're really sensing that God's leading us on a, on a specific path and journey where breakthrough is not necessarily getting that specific answer to the prayer that you may have. There are breakthroughs in your life as God works in you and through you when you are trusting him for certain things. So please join with us on this journey. I pray that you, you pray with us as we prepare each message for every Sunday. Uh, we are really trusting that God would speak to us as a church. And in this last week already, we've experienced an incredible outpouring of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy. The, the theme scripture for this series is 2 Samuel 5 verse 20. And it says, David came to Baal Parazim and David defeated the Philistines there. He said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Now, if you read that portion of scripture, David was faced by uh, having to go to war against the Philistines on two occasions, very close after each other. He approached the Lord and asked him what he should do. Lord, do you, how do you want me to engage the enemy? God spoke to David the first time. The Philistines then came up to David again and wanted to, to um, box a little bit. And again, he went to God and he said, God, what do you want me to do this time? God gave him a di- different strategy. And the heart of what we want to share with you is that we don't get caught up in the circumstances of life, that we don't become a victim of, of this world and we become so internally focused that we forget that God wants to help us through everything. God is sovereign, people. And in worship today, I was reminded of a scripture that I read last week. I think it's, in, it's either in Isaiah or Psalms where it talks about God who stretches out the universe and he lays the foundation of the earth. Isn't that incredible? When was the last time you managed to stretch out the universe? And my encouragement to us this morning as we go into the word is, let's position ourselves in a place where we know who is ministering to us. We're not just here coming before some God who we need as a spare wheel in our life and we call upon him when things get, uh, when we have a blowout, God needs to be in the driving seat 
of our lives. So I'm going to have a weird moment also in the same way that Brian had a weird moment. But my weird moment is exactly the same as Brian. So won't you please close your eyes and let's be quiet together. I'm going to just ask that you take this moment. Pierce said that all of us here together are worshipping God. It's not one person standing up front preaching a message who does all the, the worshipping. As you sit here today, I, I ask that you would open your heart, that you would set your mind to the Heavenly Father, that you would realize who you are sitting before today. We are sitting before the all-powerful God, the one and only God, the God who made the universe, the God who created the earth, but the one who made you also. We are sitting before the God who says in the Bible, what man-made structure do you have that can contain me? Yet God wants to come and live in our hearts. The maker of the universe wants to live in your heart. We, God has an incredible nature. He is powerful. He is the healer. He is the provider. He is all of these things. But he is also a loving father. And that is the nature of God that I want us to keep in the forefront of our mind this morning as you hear the word. I'm going to read out a prayer. And I would like you just to agree with it in your heart with me. God of eternity, creator of all, and Lord of the universe, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your son. We ask in agreement, all persons here this morning, that you would anoint our eyes to see, that you would anoint our ears to hear, that you would give us a heart to perceive and understand what you are saying to us through this message. We acknowledge the need for your Holy Spirit's help to know what your will is and your way for our lives. It is our desire to please you all the days of our lives here on earth and in eternity. Show us not only your ways, but also your heart, that we may know you intimately as our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father, for your amazing faithfulness, grace, and mercy. Amen. So, folks, as Pierre said, we're here together. We're pulling the circle together. I need you to pull this message out of me. And the way that you can do that is if you are hungry. And I want you to trust God that he is going to touch your heart today. I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was 14 years old. I was in Standard 6, and I was... It was during break time. I was sitting with my Chinese friend called Jack Hu. And he said to me, Rick, are you a Christian? I said, Jack, yeah, yeah. at the time I wasn't going to church and my family wasn't going to church. But I wasn't a bad person. I said, yeah, I believe there's a God. And, you know, that's everything we pray at school and read Bible. That's all cool. And he said, no, Rick, you're not a... You're not a Christian until you've, you've asked Jesus to come into your heart. And at that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit just tug on my heart. He didn't explain to me. He didn't go into a theological breakdown of the death, the resurrection, and the new life. Nothing. 
God came and tugged my heart and I knew I needed to respond. I was so ignorant that I prayed every night for the next five nights. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Please be with me. And I, I I had nobody who led me and I didn't know what to make of this. And in, in my ignorance and in my simplicity, God came and he, he impacted my life. And from that moment on, right up until I got to university, I recommitted my life because I realized that what I had done first time right was to pray a prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Yes, I'm going to heaven. That's all I need to do. When I got to university, I was challenged again by God where he said to me, Rick, I don't want you just to pray a little prayer. I want you to live your life for me. And I believe that this is what God wants from all of us. We don't become Christians just so that we can get to heaven. We encounter Jesus so that he can bring heaven to us here while we are on earth. And I ask of you today that you would open your hearts And if you've never encountered God in an incredible way, that is my prayer for you today. It may may not happen right here when you're sitting, but if you are desiring God, from the moment when I was in Standard 6 to right through to university, I I went to a traditional church, and I just used to sit there on Sundays and just try and figure out, what is this all about? These massive words, you know. what, What must I do, you know? And... My grandfather gave me my first Bible, and I would read it, and I wouldn't really understand. But through all of this, I can, when I look back now, I can see how God has, had worked in my life. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking about identity. Here we are, yes, we are talking about God breaking through in our lives. But I want to say to you today that if you don't understand who you are and who God has made you to be, you won't experience the breakthrough that God wants for you. So my introduction to you, I have gone to Hollywood and taken the example of a movie, The Born Identity. How many of you have seen that movie? Okay. So in the opening scene of this movie, Matt Damon, a.k.a. Jason Bourne, is floating at sea. He's been shot This fishing boat comes up, hauls him out of the water, puts him, uh, gets him inside, cleans him up, removes the bullets, revives him, he's alive. Okay, so Matt Damon has recovered from his injuries, but there's a problem. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know why he was in the water. He doesn't know who shot him. He doesn't know what he was doing. He's clueless. He has no identity. Now, we can draw a spiritual significance from this. Often, as Christians or whatever, if I I look at my life, let's say prior to me asking Jesus to come to my life, I was floating in the water. I had a few bullets in me. I was wounded and injured. And someone pulled me out of the water into the boat. And the process began where bullets were removed the wounds were healed. And there were many things that had happened in my life that I needed God to restore and to heal. But it was a continuous process. But still at that time, right through until 
university, I didn't understand who I was in God. I didn't understand. I had the wrong picture of God. I thought God was the stern authoritarian, and I had to obey him. I was very, um, growing up as a young boy, I was very, um, what's the word? You can help me, lovey. I was very specific. My shoes had to be in line. My perfectionist, there we go. My shirts had to be packed straight, color-coordinated. My hangers had to all be, you know, my books had to go from tallest to shortest. And uh, when I was at university and when I was in residence, I landed up with the most uh, untidy roommate. (laughs) So guys would walk into our room and they would see, what's going on here? Like half the room is like spotless and other half is just somebody threw a hand grenade in there. But, what it, but that wasn't, what was happening is there was an expression of me trying to, a deep, something rooted in my heart where I was maybe seeking after uh, acceptance and worried about being rejected. So what I want to say from the illustration of this movie, it's not good enough that we just get hauled out of the water, put in the boat, and the bullets are removed. We need to understand what is God's purpose for our lives, what is our identity. So the movie goes on, Jason Bourne lands up finding this box. He opens the box and he finds some passports. He opens one passport, he reads Jason Bourne. That's who I must be. You know? However, he keeps scratching through the box. He finds three or four other passports. Carlos, Vladimir and Pierre. Who, who am I? This poor guy is like, okay, I have no idea who I am. What am I doing? And I hope that today, through the word of God, you, we would be able to ignite just a, a new thing in our lives where we continue to seek God, to understand who he is, to know what he thinks about you, and so that we can live our lives. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 16, verse 13 to 20. I'm going to put the scripture in context once I've read through it and once I've explained it, um, it'll make more sense. Is everyone there? Let's read together. So Jesus is walking with his disciples and they have a discussion. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Father, I pray that you would open up your word to us this morning. Lord, that it would not just be head knowledge, that you would impact our hearts today, Lord. Amen. 
So if we start in verse 13 here, Jesus is asking his disciples, who, do, who are people saying that I am? Now, Jesus has been around for a while. He's been ministering. He's made a bit of a name for himself. And people are starting to get, you know, what's, what's this all about? Who's this Jesus? Then his disciples respond by saying, yeah, Jesus, some of, you, some of them think you're John the Baptist. Some of, some of them think that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And what I want to share from this is that all of these people had an opinion about Jesus. It's the same here today in our time. Many people have got opinions of Jesus because of maybe a book they've read or there's been a life in events that they've experienced, they've been hurt. People have opinions of Jesus. And I believe that people don't encounter the love of the Father because they have the wrong opinions of who Jesus is. Um, my oldest son, Joshua, is in an all-boys school. He's in grade nine. And he loves the Lord. And he's had an incredible amount of discussions with his friends. His buddies ask him questions daily. I know that every night around the dinner table, I'm going to get a question from Josh saying, Dad, you know, my buddies asked me this today. How do you know that Jesus is the only way? You know, they call him Farah. Farah, you're quite a religious guy. You know, so he's like, oh, Dad, I don't know how to put it into words. I'm not, I'm not a religious guy. How do I, how do I explain this to them? But they have their opinions. It's actually quite funny hearing some of them. So, I'm, I'm quite in it. Find, I'm finding it quite challenging to get that specific answer. You know, we're praying together, Lord, help us here. You know, and when we feel the Lord speak to us about an answer to their questions, like, okay, Josh, you, you, you are armored for tomorrow. You know, you're ready to go and speak to your friends. And the reason why he wants to engage in the discussion is because he loves them. He wants them to experience God the way that he has experienced God. Jesus goes on to say, but what about you? What do you, who do you say I am? Whether we are born again Christians or whether we are unsaved, we will have to ask ourselves that question at some time in our lives. And folks, if I can ask you today, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Is he a spare wheel that you have with you and that in case you do have a blowout, you can quickly change? Is he the one who is your comforter, who walks with you daily? Does he guide you? Do you, do you trust him to help you make decisions, whether you're working in business or whatever life brings your way? Do you, do you, do you go to God and... And, and speak to him and ask him to be a part of, of your life. How you see or perceive God is of the utmost importance. It influences everything in your life. But particularly how you relate to him, how you receive him, and how you represent him. Some of us have got the wrong understanding of who God is. That was something that I had to deal with. I had to... Spend time in the Word. I had to be around people who could help me understand who God was. I had to allow the Holy Spirit to wash through my life and, and remove these false ideas of who God was. Simon Peter answers in verse 16. So yeah, Peter is, can you imagine he must have been the first one. I know what the answer is. 
They just hold on. Jesus, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. And you know that his answer was right. So Jesus said, yes, you are right. You are right, Peter. However, it goes on to say, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. The fact that Peter could give that answer, the correct answer, was because he knew the heavenly father. And he knew the father through his relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, this scripture tells us that Peter knew Jesus. And because he knew Jesus, he knew the father. And he knew the father's heart. And he knew the father's thoughts. And he knew how to respond to situations in his life because of this very reason. In order for us to know identity, we need to first know God. Do you know God? Do you commune with him daily? I listened to a podcast two weeks ago and the gentleman starts this talk by speaking about the Bible. He just speaks about what an incredible book it is, written over 1,500 years by over 50, uh, 40 authors, over 60 books, but everything just aligns together. The one thing that hit me is then he went on to say, do you know how much blood has been spilt over this book? Do you know how many lives have died? And we let this book rest on our shelf and gather dust. And some of us have more than one. And folks, please, everything that I'm sharing today, I'm speaking to myself, so I'm not, I'm not gunning for you. I'm, I'm just speaking what, what God would want from us. If we understand what this is about, it's alive and active. When you open up this book, it opens you up. When you read through it, it reads through you. When you study it, it studies you. It, it makes you want to be more like Jesus. We cannot expect to know the Lord if we give God our spare time. How can we expect to have an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father if we leave it to a 10-minute slot before we go to bed at night? Or if we get up and while we eat our breakfast, we go through your version and read the, verse, the Bible verse of the day. God wants us to commune with him. You're married to your spouse. You love your spouse. You want to spend time with your spouse. You want to get to know them more. You want to be able to love them better. God wants to commune with us, folks. And I believe that this is what God is saying to us. I'm not pointing the finger at us. I believe God is saying he wants us to spend more time with him. He wants us to not be happy with just reading a verse and, okay, I can take off my reading plan. I've done that. No, he, he wants this to be established in, in our heart. In verse 18, Jesus goes on to say, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's something incredible that happens. Jesus, sorry, Peter has just revealed the true identity of Jesus. Jesus reciprocates by revealing the true identity of Peter. He says, you are Peter. You are a rock. And I will build my church on you. 
I read through just some commentary on that, and the, 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 the students of the word think that Jesus was not only affirming Peter in his character, that you are rock, you are steadfast. He was also affirming him in his function as being one of the leaders of the early church, which he did become. So here Jesus is speaking identity into Peter. He's saying, you are Peter. The reason that you know who I am is because you know the Father. And I want to tell you that this is who you are. Now, when, Jesus, when Peter heard this, and I'm sure all of his disciples experienced this on many occasions, what would this have done for them? It would have built up their confidence. They would have known who they were, what their purpose in life was all about. He no longer needed to question himself. He knew who God said he was. In God, we find our identity. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on to say that I have given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What is he doing here? He's giving Peter his purpose. He's saying, Peter, take what you've got now and take it to the world. All of heaven is behind you. It says whatever you bind on earth, whatever you say no to, whatever you resist, whatever you are trusting God for to break through in your life, all of heaven is behind you. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you say yes to, God, I want to see your kingdom advanced. I want to see you established in my family. I want to see my kids grow to love you more than anything in their lives. Whatever you loose, whatever you say yes to, you've got the whole of heaven behind you that is going to help you accomplish this. And you know what, folks? I think we get so caught up. When we lose sight of God's purpose for our lives, we do become very intrinsic. We turn within. We become victimized. We lose sight of the ultimate purpose that God has for us. And that's where our challenges come. And I think that's where half of the battle is. We, we start experiencing circumstances in our life purely because we've lost sight of God's purpose for our lives. How many of you desire to live God's purpose for your life? More than anything. More than anything. More than, the, uh, uh, more than a, a job that you've been dreaming of. More than a career that you would want to establish. More than, I was so encouraged when uh, Claude and Anessa came back from uh, Madagascar. And Anessa shared the thing that impacted her the most is that she met two individuals. She met a young girl who was 19 years old, I think from America, and who had gone to Madagascar to serve and to, to help advance God's kingdom. Because she felt God called her to do that. She laid aside the opportunity to go and study medicine in America because she felt God said this is what she needed to do. The second person was a 40-year-old lady who had never been married, who had an incredible desire to have a family of her own. She had no kids, no husband. And again, same response. I know that God has called me to be here. This is God's purpose for my life. And this is what I want to engage in. Oh, are we that type of people? Are we happy to set aside, Lord, I've been trying to build my own empire. I want what you want for my life. In Acts 13, it says, David served God's purposes for his generation, 
What was David saying? He said, God, what do you want to do in my generation? What, what is it you want to do? I want to be a part of it. Please don't leave me out here. I would rather die if you don't use my life for my generation. And that's a question that God asks us in all of our lives. In verse 20, it says, Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the, the Messiah. So from this passage of Scripture, what can we see? How do we, how do we experience God's breakthrough in our lives? How do we understand our identity? Number one, it is to know God first. Know him intimately. Number two, he lets us know his thoughts towards us, which is our identity. We don't get our identity from the work we do or the, the house we live in or the area where we live. It's, it's what God's heart is towards us. And then Jesus reveals his purpose to us. When we understand our identity, we will understand our purpose also. I said that I would put the scripture in context once I had shared all of this with you. So just before Matthew 16, we see Jesus performing an incredible amount of miracles. Just, you read miracle upon miracle upon miracle. He feeds the 5,000. He's healing people. Just after Matthew 16, Jesus speaks about our purpose. He said, if you want to live your life, you need to lose it for me. You need to pick up your cross you need to die to self. And then there's the triumphant entry into Jerusalem before his crucifixion. And what I felt the Lord say to me about this specific portion of scripture with it being put here is sometimes we may run after the miracles. And sometimes we may run after purpose. But we leave God out of the equation. We leave our relationship with God. We're so consumed by this, the stuff that God does that we forget the person who does all the stuff. And the miracles and the purpose come out of us knowing God. And this is what Jesus, this is the, the crux of the, the scripture for me. Jesus speaks to Peter. He says, you are Peter. He gives him his identity. He gives him his purpose. And then out of that, he lives his life. So if I've said to us that in order for us to know who we are, we need to know who God is. And there is no way that we could preach the whole year on the character of God and the nature of God. But what I felt God say to us this morning is that he wants us to know him as the Heavenly Father. Many of us have maybe had a negative experience with a father figure in our lives. And this has unfortunately pushed itself up onto how we experience God as our Heavenly Father. And I want to encourage you to go and read through Luke 15, verse 1 to 32. This is your reading for the week. This is the portion where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he's trying to tell the Pharisees who he is. Who is this Jesus? The Pharisees knew the written word, but they didn't recognize the word in flesh. They perceived Jesus to be a certain individual. And because their perception, because Jesus didn't meet the perception of who they thought Jesus would be, they thought that Jesus was going to be a political leader or a, a religious man like them who would sit in the temple with his cloak and, and stuff on and be separate from the people. No, Jesus was a person who spent time with sinners. He loved people. 
He was everything that they didn't think he was going to be. So their perception was, this, this can't be Jesus. God wants to speak to us through the word. And in, in Luke 15, it's, it talks about the sheep. Sorry, the shepherd who lost the sheep. It talks about the woman who lost the coin. And it talks about a father who had two sons. And I'm not going to go into this, but to summarize all of that, it speaks about our heavenly father. This is the nature of God the father. The one who goes and looks for the lost sheep. Who goes and looks for the lost coin. Who goes and looks for the lost son. Our heavenly father is not upset with us. He desires us to be in his company. When all of those were found, when the, when the sheep, the coin, and the son was found, what happened? There was rejoicing. They called the neighbors around. There was a party because there was a celebration that that which was lost was now found. And that's the heavenly father that we, we serve. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? You and me. The joy. Jesus sought as pure joy to be able to give his life for us. Knowing who God says you are is a really big deal. It determines how you will live your life. But it has to be discovered in him. You need to hear from God. You can't rely on other people giving you prophetic words or yes it's all there to encourage us but if you want to live a life that knows the father intimately you need to be able to go and hear from him so coming back to the born identity i brought my passport with me and the function of a passport is so that when we go through a customs area and when you present your information that the people let you through to go into your destination. However, if your passport is not current, you won't be able to reach the destination that you want to reach. Some of us are carrying expired passports. So this, this passport is expired. The reason I brought it is because I was scared of losing my other one between here and home. So if you do find it, please send it back to me. It's expired. But look here. I I could say, my picture's there. My name is there. My date of birth. Please, you have to let me in. It's me. Sorry, sir. It's expired. We often live in the past. There's stuff that has happened to us. We've been hurt. We've experienced circumstances. We, and this is holding us back. We are living with this expired passport in our Back pockets, and when people ask you who are you, it's like here I am, you know. Not this thing can't get me anywhere in life, you know. Past mistakes and regrets define us and influence how we are today. That does happen. We've all been through tough times, but Jesus is there to help you get through that. Jesus is there to help you come out and to experience breakthrough. Jesus wants to update your passport. There are many people who are carrying the past with them. Broken relationships, financial regrets. You, we've all experienced hardship in life, folks. But what I want to say to you today is that you have a choice. 
God is standing before you and he is desperately longing to take this weight from you. The only thing that you need to do is to respond to this call that Jesus is giving. And then the second type of ID or passport is a fake ID. So I could have, a, I could have Pierre's passport, which is current, but it's not me. So I could say, yes, here's my passport. It is up to date. Please let me through. No, sorry, sir. You cannot reach your destination on this passport. How does a fake passport apply to our lives? Well, often we're not happy being the people that, being the person that we are. God has created each and every one of us to be unique. He has created each and every one of us for a specific purpose, but we long to be somebody else. We long to live a life of someone else. We attempt to be another person. We compare ourselves, even as Christians. It's like, yes, that oak's got such a prophetic gift. I'm like, I wish I could prophesy like him. You know? Don't go there. God has given you gifts that are incredible. You know? What is, what is, we need to know what our passport is for us specifically. If you go back to Luke 15 and you read the story of the prodigal son, the father with the two brothers, Yes, we hear about the one brother who comes back. He squandered everything. So the one brother has an expired passport because of the past. But he responded to the father, thankfully, and the father received him back. The second brother, who in the eyes of everyone in the family, he did everything right. He woke up at the right time. He did the work. He functioned in his father's household. He did everything right. But he was living with a fake idea because he was living as a servant. He wasn't living as a son. Everything was there for him. But he saw himself as a servant. He was upset with his dad. He said, how can you do this to this, my brother? I've been here. I've been living the life. I've been doing everything that you want me to do. And now here you just forgive my brother and you, you restore him. We, you don't want to live a life that is bound by wanting to be another person. So here we, the Bible needs to tell us who we are. We've, we've got to be able to look into the Bible and to see what it says to us about who we are and what God has destined us to do. And I want to ask Brian or uh, Elmer if you can join me up here just as I conclude this message. And again, just for you to, to respond to the word of God this morning for your own life. And allow God to, to speak to you. Who does the Bible say that you are? Who does Jesus say that you are? Well, in 2 Corinthians, sorry, in Romans 8, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Who are we? What is part of my identity? I'm a son and a daughter. If God is my father, then I must be a son and a daughter. That's the relationship I have with him. Do I relate to God as a son? Or do I relate to God as a servant? And then secondly, not only are we able to know God and to have this intimate relationship with him, but he has also called us to be ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, it says, We are Christ's ambassadors representatives of the king 
We've been given the keys of the kingdom. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What's our identity? We know him, but also we make him known. That's our purpose. And if we live by those two things for the rest of our lives, we would have achieved so much in the light of what God wants us to do. We are sons and daughters. We are ambassadors. And if you could close your eyes for a moment, I want to pray for us. Father, thank you that we can come before you, Lord. Often we, there are circumstances that happen in our life that we cannot explain, Lord. There are deaths, there are sicknesses, there are just incredibly hard things that happen in our lives, Lord. Father, if we do not know who we are in you and how you see us, Lord, we cannot respond in the right way, Lord. How, how can we live a life that is free and that experiences joy and peace and love if we don't know who you are or who you see us to be? And Father, I pray that you would minister to your people this morning. Lord, we open our hearts to you. Lord, as the word has gone forth this morning, you may have reminded us of stuff you may have just touched on areas in our lives where we are maybe still expired and where we are caught up in the past. Father, I pray that you would pour out your healing power in those areas. And folks, I just want to encourage you that if if there, if you have been reminded about something from your past this morning, that you would just give it to God right now. That you just take a moment to to bring that to God and be be real and honest with Him. Yes, you have been hurt. Yes, you feel like you've had the right to hold on to this this uh, unforgiveness. We've all experienced moments in our lives where we've had the opportunity to be offended and to be hurt, but it's not good for us. And you know that it's not good for you. The only person affected through all of this is the person who is holding on to the So today, God, Father, we bring before you moments in our lives that have brought hurt, that have brought pain, moments in our lives where we cannot really explain why it, it happened. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you... You take that today, Father. And that you, if this is the first time that you're responding to this and to this part of your life, it may be a bit of a journey. You may need to go and sit with someone and ask them to pray with you and to help you through this. But I believe today God wants to start that process in your life. And Father, where we have been carrying these fake ideas, God, forgive us, God, for wanting to be another person. Forgive us, Father, for taking on the wrong identity. Forgive us, Father, for trying to perform, even as Christians, Lord, to try and perform for you. And God, we so desire just to be sons and daughters who know that we are loved 
Father God of the universe, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you touch people's hearts now, Lord, and that you bring healing there. When we were praying this morning at our prayer meeting before the service, uh, Lindy just sensed that God was wanting us to pray into families. And I just shared with everyone what I was preaching on, but I really feel like it's something that God wants to do. When it comes to relationships and when we experience hurt in relationships, it's one of the, one of the toughest things to, to work through in our lives. And I believe that this is an area that God really wants to minister to today. Between husbands and wives, between parents and children, even adults, between you and your parents. Perhaps there have been relational hardships and moments in the past that have really bruised you. And when, when you discuss that moment or when you are reminded of it, it brings pain to you. It brings hurt to you. And I sense that God wants to heal those areas. He wants to help you experience breakthrough. He wants to help you experience healing. And if there is a specific moment in your life where through family you've been hurt, I would just ask you to to just hold open your hands as a sign to say, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing this to you. Father, we bring before you just a moment where we experienced intense pain and hurt in our families, Lord. Whether it was with a spouse or with a child or with a parent. Thank you, God, that you're the one who heals, Lord. Father, we were reminded this morning that you are able to stretch out the universe. God, if you can do that, then you are capable of doing anything. And the God who can stretch out the universe wants to come and be a part of our lives. The God of the universe wants to come and live in our hearts and be a part of our lives. So God, we bring our families before you. And we pray, God, for your work and we pray for your grace. Where people need to forgive, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them the ability to forgive, Lord. Where restoration needs to be made. I pray, God, that you would provide moments for restoration. And, Lord, where where healing needs to come, that you would bring that, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, folks, I'm going to end there today. And um, I encourage you to, yeah, just see God. There's such a great grace and a drawing of what God wants to do in our lives. He is drawing us. And I pray that we would respond in the right way and allow him to, to work in our lives. Uh, be blessed. Um, moms, please enjoy the rest of your day. And.